Yeah, isn't that one the Constitution? <laughs> the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> That's oh, wait, yes. <laughs> This is Jen. And this is Lisa. And welcome to a new episode of Curiosity Syndrome. Curiosity Syndrome. <laughs> it's been a day. <sighs> this is going to be about the 10th time we're going to try to record this. I have issues, all of them. I can't get it right. Well, tell us something we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Lisa, and I open mouth kissed a horse once. What the fuck? <laughs> It's from Austin Powers. I don't remember that. He says it to Yancey. I don't remember. Tell me something I don't know. And she. Okay, well. I don't remember that. Anyway, welcome to episode four. And Lisa, what made you so curious about our topic? Well, I love spooky anything. Yeah. Especially ghosties inside of an abandoned building. Ghosties. I don't know what kind of ghost that was. It was the ghost of Jason. <laughs> oh, well. So he died as a little boy, and now he's just a ghost killing people? Is that what we're going with? Yeah, he's ghost Jason. <laughs> Jason in space ghost. <laughs> Listen, Jason X is underrated, and I stand by it. Oh, God. Anyways, it's an abandoned building. It's falling apart. It has a crazy history. What else can I say about today's We want to go there. Topic? That's true. We're going. We're going to plan a trip. I guess I should just say what it is. I mean, that is something else I can say about <laughs> they it. They know what it is. They can read the title. <laughs> Unless you're me, you can't. Oh, okay. Can't read. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Eastern State Penitentiary. 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 So why don't you start us out with a little bit of the history about it? All right. So in East Philadelphia, this building was born and raised. <laughs> Sorry, Will Smith, please don't sue me. Will Smith's going to come Will Smith, yeah. He's going to come just slap the shit out of me. Keep my fucking show out your mouth. Shut up, Will Smith. You ain't shit. You ain't shit. You bitch. Chris rocked his ass, though. All right, anyways. So in 1776, can you picture it? Were you alive then? Do you remember that time? Well, 1776 is when America was born. Oh, shit. That's when they signed the Declaration of Independence. I America. didn't even think about that. July right. 4th, 1776. <laughs> America. Everybody get drunk, grill hamburgers and hot dogs on July 4th. Woo! And then let's rap to Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> that is what you people do. I I am not one of those. No judge. I, you don't I listen to like, Hamilton? I listen to Encanto. Does that count? Oh my God. It's Stop. made by Stop. Land- no. Land- uh, mm, mm. Back to Eastern State. <laughs> Back to Eastern State. So in 1776. There was this jail called the Wall Street Jail. Walnut Street Jail. Walnut Street. Wall Street. Wall Street. We're in Wall New York Street now. Jail. God. The Walnut Street Jail. <laughs> its sole purpose was to relieve some of the overcrowding issues in the Philadelphia Old Stone Jail. Hmm. Within this jail, they decided to build a penitentiary house with 16 cells, and they began to experiment with day and night solitary confinement. Hmm. After many years of lobbying, the Pennsylvania government approved funding to build Eastern State Penitentiary. It was located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, still is, it's just closed, 
at twenty twenty seven Fairmont Avenue. Well, the prison portion's closed, but yeah. you can you can you can still go. And I'll go, go. We will. We will go. We will go. This is on my bucket list. You're not coming, Will Smith. Yeah, you can stay at home and worry <laughs> about home. your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Called out. Gonna we're gonna get. We're gonna get a cease and desist. <laughs> look up to the fucking wall like Kool Aid Man. Oh, <laughs> He's punching. Welcome to Earth, bitch. <laughs> Got Will Smith. <laughs> well, it was designed by John Havland, the building, not Will Smith. <laughs> he won a contest that they ran to choose the designer, which he entered with his neo gothic design. That was inspired by prisons in England and Ireland in the 1780s. Hmm. So for this, he won $100 and a chance to oversee the project. Which today, it's $2,000. Which? Can you imagine designing a building and they're like, here you go, here's $2,000. I'm like, that doesn't even pay my rent. No. <laughs> Nowadays. I Thanks. Mean, yeah. Glad I just designed the whole building and you give me nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did get to design a cool building. I mean, he did go down in history for that. Well, I've never heard his name before until just now. Well, fair. <laughs> Sorry, John. R.I.P. John Havlin. I mean, you're probably dead. I don't know. Now people will know who you are because of this podcast. <laughs> you're welcome. Hell, <laughs> you're eating his baby dead. Yeah, that's a He's just a fucking shambling he, corpse out here zombie in the room. I built the Eastern State Penitentiary. <laughs> building was designed to have a center tower to keep watch on the inmates at all times it was basically a giant circle and then it had the cell blocks like protrude around it Mm -hmm. so like think of like a wagon wheel like when you played the oregon trail yeah you know and if you can make it through you didn't get dysentery you made it you win i think i i mostly played amazon trail i don't know what that is all right well i'll show you after (laughs) okay i've never heard of that the building would eventually become known as the Hub and Spoke Plan. It kind of looked like a windmill. The prison was opened on October 25th in 1829, and it was considered the world's first true penitentiary. It was meant to house 250 inmates, but after its conclusion, it was able to house 450. Eastern State Penitentiary was built to rehabilitate inmates through solitary confinement and hard labor. Many leaders believe that crimes is a result of someone's environment and that solitude would make the criminal regretful and penitent, hence the word penitentiary. Yeah, because that's how that works. Yeah, it doesn't do anything but make them penitent and believe in God and not go fucking <coughs> oh insane. fucking God. It quickly became one of the most expensive buildings in the U.S. and is also considered one of the most copied penitentiaries. I think I read... Over 300 prisons were designed based off this one. I think I've seen that too. That's that's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> For sure. The warden legally had to visit every inmate every single day, and the guards were required to see the inmates three times daily. How would you see 450 people in one day? They probably didn't. I don't think this was followed. I'm going to assume it wasn't. You'd have to see like one every five minutes. Yeah, that's... Ooh. I would not want that job. And mind you, just see them. Not say anything to them or anything because they weren't allowed to. We'll talk about that in a minute. Eastern State Penitentiary's first inmate was Charles Williams, labeled as prisoner number one, a burglar with light black skin, five feet, seven inches tall. His foot size was 11 inches. He had a scar on his nose, scar on his thigh, 
broad mouth, black eyes, apparently a demon. I don't know, black? It's where the first demon was. <laughs> first demon was housed here. He was a farmer by trade. He can read, unlike me, because that was important back then. Mm. I was in the majority of people who couldn't read. Yeah. Here Still I are. am. <laughs> here I am. And he had theft, including one $20 watch and one $3 gold seal and a gold key. He was sentenced to two years confinement with labor, which was received by Samuel R. Wood, the first warden of Eastern State Penitentiary. The watch today would be worth $618.20, and the gold seal would be worth around $92.73. They just put him in solitary confinement over 600 bucks, 700 bucks, I guess you could say. Basically, yep. If you don't know, solitary confinement is when one prisoner is in a cell with little to no contact with other inmates or even anybody, even with the staff, if you didn't know. They use that today for punishment if you're in prison. Yeah, so like, you're already in prison. And you fuck up. You go to you're worse going, prison. You're going to the worst section. But back <laughs> then, they're like, oh, Let's make a whole this prison about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take several seats, sir. You guys are idiots. In the prison itself, the cells were built where you had to enter from outside through the little exercise area, and they had to walk through this tiny door, and they think that they they were designed to be smaller so they would bend down, Mm. like they were bowing because they were penant. Oh, yeah. Pray to God. Um, Did that work? Probably not. No, it didn't. 100% not. (laughs) Or it was to prevent attacks on guards. Both make sense. If it was a smaller door, they wouldn't be able to run out. Like lunge and Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. It would be harder to get to them from a crouching type position. If they were ever outside in their little exercise yards, it was set up so no other prisoners would be outside in the yards parallel to them. If you had one guy out there and he's out working out, there wouldn't be anybody on the other side of the walls next to him. He couldn't even like talk to somebody outside. Total, complete isolation Sounds like a great idea. I'm sure this turns out amazing. Surprisingly, they could have pets outside. Oh. Or a garden. I don't know how that worked. They had something, I mean. Yeah. They needed something. How did they get the pets, though? Maybe from, like, shelters? I guess. I don't... I don't know. Donations. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. If the prisoners ever had to leave their cell, the guards would put a bag over their head so they couldn't see... For one, the layout of the prison, and two, wouldn't see any other prisoners. And there were a lot of critics at the time, including Charles Dickens. He was like, this is fucked up, basically, in Charles Dickens' language. So he was like, this nay fits society. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Dickens. He was like British, right? He wrote Moby Dick, right? Yeah. Uh, Tale of Two Cities, too? Was that Charles Dickens? Oh my god, I don't know. Wow, okay, okay we're gonna well, cut all that out. So, Well, the huh. the whole solitary confinement thing did start to change over time. In the 1870s and 80s, since the new cell blocks didn't have exercise yards, because they built them right on top of the ones that were already there, mm. the inmates were able to work outside together, but they only could wear hoods with eye holes cut out, and they had to be completely silent. That sounds... Otherwise, they'd get punished. Like a horror movie. What was Just that? standing What's that next one to movie someone? where they all wear their bags on their head and they go and kill the strangers. That. Yeah, that's one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that would be scary. Just in complete silence, working next to someone with just a, a creepy burlap type bag on their head. With oh nope, I don't want it. By eighteen nineties, by, <laughs> oh 
1890, mainly because of overcrowding, at least every other prisoner had a cellmate. And by 1913, the Pennsylvania system, a.k.a. the whole solitary confinement thing, was abandoned. Inmates could then work in shops such as weaving, shoemaking, and carpentry. And I think they could also make cigars. I read that on, I think, the Eastern States website. Hmm. But most people chose shoemaking instead of cigars. That's kind of... I think I would just go ahead and just go with the cigars and smoke as many as I could to try to take myself out right? so much faster. Right. But with the more and more prisoners getting sent there, they just kept adding more cell blocks and piling them on. And mm-hmm. people would actually travel there as a tourist destination. You could go and talk to the prisoners in their cells as long as you weren't related to them or friends with the inmate. Wow, How do they filter that? How do they I know? Don't... Honestly, I wouldn't even care if I was in here. I'd they be like, yes. Their, they checked their Facebook. <laughs> Back in the 1870s? Oh, excuse me. It would have been MySpace. Oh, yeah. Sorry. MySpace for all us oldies out there. They're like, Live oh. journal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that's how they found out. But, uh, but, I mean, if I was in here, I'd be like, I don't even care who it is. There's yeah. someone to talk to. I, I mean, think you said something earlier about pen pals. Yeah, it's like. Basically like uh, the start of pen pals. I mean, strangers you're talking to, you have no idea. I'm sure they probably only spoke through like a hole in the door. Something like that. Because I know it was designed to have like this metal door with the the grate type thing, Mm -hmm. but the wooden door over it. But they had a lot of of people come through. I think there was about 75,000 people who went through there. And there are even some famous inmates that you guys have probably heard of. One of the most infamous inmates housed at Eastern State Penitentiary was Al Capone. Himself. Himself. Al Capone was serving an eight-month stint between 1929 and 1930. Now, make no mistake, though. Capone had the hook up. Let's just say it came from his criminal network. Uh, His cell had a writing desk, a desk lamp, oil paintings on the wall, a chair, an old radio, uh, a rug... He was living like a king in Eastern State Penitentiary. The guards would have had to bring that stuff in. Yeah, I'm assuming someone got paid some money. Mm. Something had to happen. How else would that have just... Money buys you everything. This is true. And if you're someone like Al Capone, a famous mobster, it probably buys you a lot of things. You give me stuff or I kill your family. <laughs> is he even Ital- is he Italian? I... Oh, God. Oh, no. Well, his name's Alfonso, right? Yeah. Yep, it is. Alphonse, is it? Which he hated being called that. Alphonse. 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 I don't know Capone. why I thought Alfonso. Alphonse. Alphonse. Oh, he was born in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Oh, Italian, yes. Okay, I thought so. I was like, <laughs> what? was Italian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are ridiculous. Okay. The charge that landed Mr. Capone in here was for possession of an unlicensed and concealed firearm. You know. Shocker. Wow. They just, it's like you get pulled over for a taillight. They're like, you're going to jail. Exactly. Like, that was all they could slap on him. This is, yeah. I mean, he probably had so many other things that he could have been right. charged with anyways, but I'm not surprised that it was a concealed firearm. Like, they probably mm. should have just been like, go on, dear. It's fine, Capiz. <laughs> Capiz. <laughs> I'm not good at uh, voices, so sorry, everybody. While housed here, it was said that... Inmates around him, guards, would sometimes hear him scream in the middle of the night. And he would sometimes yell, Jimmy, no, get out, get away from me, leave me alone. 
Don't touch my lasagna. Hey, this is a get out of my cell. Why am I Mar- It's a me, Al Capone. It's a me, a Mario. Get out of my cell. Why are you touching my coins? <laughs> my mushroom. Uh, so yeah, he was, Jimmy, get out. <laughs> uh, a lot of people believe that this Jimmy would have been Jimmy Clark, who was one of the seven men murdered in the Valentine's Day massacre the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Which is why I was saying earlier, he took part in that where people died, mm. but he's in there for well, an unlicensed weapon. <laughs> he was known for organizing it. Did he get his hands dirty in it? No. Al Capone did eventually get out of Eastern State Penitentiary, but he was arrested again, most notably for tax evasion. Mm. So he couldn't even keep himself out of jail for anything. I mean, he was getting caught yeah. right and left for everything, but it's just funny to me that the main thing that everyone knows like one of his last crimes he was charged with was <laughs> tax evasion like get it together jimmy get an accountant bro jimmy, jimmy. <laughs> alphonse alphonse get it together get it together mario alphonse get it together get an accountant oh, with some lasagna all right anyway there also was another prisoner named slick willie Sutton. Mm, Slick Willie. He was an American bank robber and he stole over two million during the 40 years he was out there robbing banks. He went to prison frequently, escaping three times. He was also quoted as saying, you can't rob a bank on charm and personality. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I wish. (laughs) Right. When he did go out and rob banks, he carried an unloaded gun because he didn't want anyone to get hurt. Okay. He's noble yet still noble I mean, because he's getting money. Yeah. So, he's, he's getting he's people. getting the money. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting the pizza. Getting the paper. He was sentenced to Eastern State for twenty five to fifty years for attempting to rob the Corn Exchange Bank and Trust Company. He eventually did get transferred to another prison after his escape attempt, which we'll talk about a little later. Fun fact. There is a medical term called Sutton's Law, and that's when diagnosing one should first consider the obvious. And it's called that because he was asked by a reporter why he robbed banks, and he said, that's where the money is. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the point. True. That's where the money is. But that's like an actual thing in in medical schools. I didn't know that. If someone comes in and is like, hey, I'm sick, you always go to what more, most likely is the issue. Right. Okay. Weird that that got brought up into medical schools and stuff, but okay. Yeah, from a bank robber. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's adapt that in Thanks. There. That Thanks, sense. Slick Willie. Next on the docket is Morris the Rabbi Bulber. Morris was already serving a life sentence for murder when he arrived at Eastern State Penitentiary in 1942. He was one of the lead members of Arsenic, poisoning ring for hire (laughs) (laughs) they of course appeal to women who are wanting to murder their husbands and get that paper ain't no prenup yeah they were like you know they didn't want to be with anymore it i feel like at this time that was happening a lot you hear about a lot of arsenic poisonings women killing their husbands they didn't know how to like today you'd test them and be like you're going to jail I don't remember the lady's name, but there was one lady who like poisoned like five husbands before they finally were like, "Let's oh, test." Maybe one of them. she's poisoning them. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere, guess she just here. had bad luck. Yeah, it was just five husbands dead. Mm. It's crazy. Just drop dead too. Like, mm. 
Between 1932 and 1937, the group had killed at least 30 people. Oh, my God. But let's be honest, it could have been more. You know, people got it, like we said just yeah. a second ago, they mm-hmm. got away with poisoning people all the time. 16 men and women were convicted of being part of this syndicate. Two of them were sentenced to serve their time here at the lovely building we're talking about today. Morris ended up joining the Jewish congregation at the new uh, Eastern State Penitentiary Synagogue. However, he did die in the prison in 1954. He had a whole ass poisoning ring. Yeah, like just multiple people working with him. That's crazy. How do you find those people is what I, I want to know. know. Who do you, how do you bring hey, it up? Hey, do you want to join my syndicate? Yeah, we're going to poison some motherfuckers with some arsenic. Oh my God. Well, <clears throat> don't worry. We'll make a literal killing because everyone wants to murder their husbands. Pun intended. <laughs> I know we mentioned earlier there were some escape attempts, so we're going to talk about the two big ones. In 1923, this is considered the latter attempt. Now, there were hundreds of escape attempts, but in July of 1923, Leo Callahan, who was in prison for assault and battery with intent to kill, he escaped the prison with five other inmates using a makeshift wooden ladder to scale the wall. They managed to recapture all of the escaped convicts pretty quickly, except... For Leo Callahan. He was the only inmate to successfully escape. Never caught him. If he was alive today, he'd be 110 or something. Oh, he's out there. The second escape we're going to talk about was in 1945. So on April 3rd, 12 prisoners escaped through a man-made tunnel that Slick Willie over there. Good old Slick Willie. Good old Slick Willie oversaw the making of. Slick Willie was more of a supervisor of this project. Because Clarence Clendenst was the mastermind of it. Working in two-man teams of 30-minute shifts, using spoons and flattened cans as shovels, the men slowly dug a 31-inch opening in the wall of cell 68. The men then dug 12 feet straight down into the ground and then another 100 feet out beyond the prison walls. They removed the dirt by putting it in their pockets and throwing it out in the yard. (laughs) How long would that take? So long, I imagine. Just painfully long the tunnel even had scaffolding lights and ventilation that had the hookups yeah he used to be a carpenter i think it was so he knew how to make all the weird things that they were using to get Mm. out the hole was hidden by a false panel clarence made to match the wall and in front of that was a metal wastebasket so only thing hiding this thing (laughs) just like put a poster (laughs) up what do you think they were doing to hide the sound because this is... A- I mean, it's only a spoon and a can. It can't be making too much noise. How did they get the lights in there? I don't know. This is all very good questions. Someone <laughs> had to be paid off. There couldn't yeah, just be... Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. So on the morning of April 3rd, 1945, the 12 men snuck off to cell 68 on their way to breakfast. Now, Willie, he was caught in three minutes. Of Willie, his no! <laughs> What are you doing? You gotta duck and run, son. Really? <laughs> so let's just say however long that took them was not worth <laughs> three minutes of sunlight. It was months. It had to be months. At least. <sighs> Clarence made it a whole three hours. God damn it, Clarence. Oh, God damn it, Clarence. By the end of the day, half of the men were captured. But the others were all caught within a couple months. So they were all caught, but it took a couple months. Mm. So I think they got the sweetest end of that deal. Eventually, the prison started to fall apart and had costly repairs. And by 1970, it was closed. 
they would still have some short-term prisoners through 1971. The city of Philadelphia bought it in 1980 and started coming up with ideas on redeveloping it. And during that nine to ten years of just sitting there abandoned, the trees and grass and stuff all started to come through and form a small forest. And a colony of cats moved in. If there ever was a place for gin, it's this because cats. (laughs) After the city bought it, they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And they came up with a few options like turning it into a mall or a bunch of condos. But in 1988, the Eastern State Penitentiary Task Force was able to convince the mayor at the time, his name was Wilson Good, to stop any development on the property because they wanted, you know, this is history right here. Right, right. And tours opened up in 1994 where they still continue to operate today since it is a National Historic Landmark and they left it in its preserved ruin state. So when you go in to see it now, it still looks... In disrepair, crumbling. Right, right, right. It looks gnarly, and I want to go so bad. I know. At the same time, you get the stories of it being haunted and stuff because of what they did to the men in this prison, which is fucking awful. Like, they weren't already dealing with enough. Solitary confinement. Not being able to speak or look at people, don't even know where they're going when Mm -hmm. they're not in their cells. Uh, The guards tortured them. Not surprised. (laughs) They were shitbags. They... Would psychologically and physically abuse the prisoners. Some of their torture techniques included chaining the prisoners to the wall, pouring ice water on them, and then letting them hang out there all night in the already frigid temperatures. And many of these men did not survive because they would freeze before morning would come. Another thing they loved to do was set them in a chair and use restraints on them that held the prisoner's tongue and wrapped around the back of their head and their hands were held behind their back and connected to this device on their head. So basically, as they were chained, if they moved their hands, this device would tug on their tongue. This is some soft shit. It's really bad. I don't know what kind of person went to someone and was like, all right, these inmates are talking too much. Let's rip their tongues out. Yeah, let's slowly rip their tongues out. Like, make them rip their tongues out on top of that. There's a list of over a thousand deaths here, and one of them was contributed to this technique. The inmate's name was Mathis McCumsey, and he was found about an hour after the device was placed on him. It's believed that he moved too much, it ripped his tongue, and he bled to death. They also had another lovely device called the Mad Chair. It's where they restrained inmates so tightly that they couldn't move a muscle, and their circulation was cut off. They were forced to sit there for days with no food. The guards believe that they could cure insanity by simply making it to where their blood could not pump through the body. Those men would have to get those limbs amputated oh, I because that. of A the circulation of getting cut off. The guards frequently used the hole, a.k.a. even more solitary confinement. It was basically an underground cell block that had small openings, so they had to crawl into them. They were called cells. Uh, there was no light whatsoever in there. They were given little food and no human contact, and sometimes they were kept there for months. Months? Months. God damn. In complete darkness in an even smaller area. I think it was like eight by four feet. Jeez. Yeah. I don't get it. I'll I think that I, I think that's why in prisons now, when they're sending them to the bad place, they're like, you're going to the hole. Yeah, that makes sense. I just don't understand how... They even thought to make another spot even more somehow isolated. But the thing about that is the whole point of the prison was for them to, like, get better. Exactly. Penance. 
That's what it was supposed to be. And I don't but fuck think you. We're going to fuck you up. Yeah. I don't think that penance means beating and torturing people until they believe. Because we're Christians. Exactly. We're Christians. Oh, God. Reef his tongue out. Oh, my God. What the fuck? You know, when we were researching this, I thought I would find a lot more ghost stories. So many, I thought. And I, oh, I only found one story and a couple little other things. The story I found was about a locksmith named Gary Johnson, and he was changing some of the locks before it opened for tours. He was in cell block four, and he felt this negative dark energy come over him, and then he felt a hand gripping him so he couldn't move. Mm. He said he thought the ghosts wanted to kill him and that he would see their tormented faces along the walls. That was, like, the main tale I could find. And i seen it, too. Crazy. Is all I can think of. And then the only the only other thing I could really find was in Cellbach 12, there's echoing and cackling. And you can walk in there and all the doors to the cells would be open. And if you turned around and walked out and walked back in, then all the doors would be closed. Mm. And there's like shadowy figures in cell block six. And then block four, where Gary Johnson was, is where you see the faces. I hope that when we go, that we see and capture... An apparition or a face on camera. We gotta get Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, get over here, take a picture. <laughs> so I went a completely opposite direction um, on trying to find ghost stories. I turned to the one and only Zach Baggins. Baggins? I don't know who that is. If you say it wrong, he gets angry. I and I'm still surprised is you it, don't know who is he it is. Bajans. <laughs> Bajazzled. <laughs> Zach Bajazzled. Zach Bajazzled. It makes sense because who else do you turn to when you want to learn all about the ghosties than a man in tight bedazzled jeans and Ed Hardy shirt and hair so stiff Aquanet would be jealous. Mm. I still can't believe you've never heard of him or watched Ghost Adventures. I don't really watch Ghost because I. Because I'm not a believer. Awesome. Still. I'm a woman of science. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you won't be saying that when we go to Old Gun Church. I was more worried about getting arrested. Wasn't scared of the ghosts. Ooh, that makes sense because that's way more scary. Could you be sent to a place like this? No. <laughs> okay. No, it sent me to Eastern State. I didn't do it. <laughs> they went into the defense hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. In season two, episode six, Ghost Adventures traveled to the Eastern State Penitentiary. They captured EVPs. Do you know what that is? Is that like the sound? Yes. So it's like a. What is it called? Oh, God. I can I think of a voice phenomenon. <laughs> Electromagnetic voice phenomenon. I don't know. We'll just cut that out. <laughs> they, they hear you in the mechanic come in. <laughs> what the like, fuck? They go through and they, they hear Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> so they turned on their EVP recorder and they picked up Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> No, so they did catch a voice saying, I knew God, hungry, and high in this empty hallway. It was after they walked away. There was no one there. The camera was set up. One of their cameramen were in a room alone, and you can hear the voice saying, Nick? Oh, no. Pretty compelling. No. There's just somebody in the background. Maybe. They also picked up a scream. And as a scream happened, their battery on their equipment was drained. They probably should have charged it. I, I Well, <laughs> if you're Zach, you have backups, Jen, okay? Don't you dare 
They can't fit in his bedazzled jeans. They can't, and his arms are so wide from the stance he tries to do. Just he can't carry anything. There's mm. so much happening. While walking around outside the property, they heard knocking coming from a building. And when they walked up, Zach asked, are you the one who is knocking? To which there was more knocking. I am the one who knocks. <laughs> and that would be Jen as a ghost. When they walked around to the other side trying to find a way in, they found another room with a coffin inside. And again, he asked if someone in there was knocking. And then there was a knock. So there's just a random coffin hanging out. They set that shit up. You know what? Don't you dare Why is there a coffin? Zach bedazzled Jean's baggins of setting things up. Oh, man. How dare you? <laughs> mm. They took hundreds of pics while walking around the property, and in one of them, they caught a mist coming from a doorway, which Zach said was a portal to hell. What the <laughs> f- <laughs> Listen, he's real dramatic. I just need you to watch Ghost Adventures one time. So, yeah, that one, mm. not too much. Mm. But then I remembered that the Ghoul Boys, a.k.a. BuzzFeed Unsolved, Ryan and and I can't, Shane, I almost had a stroke. <laughs> I don't I don't fuck with BuzzFeed right now because of all their pro Amber Heard content. Well, I Do you hear me, that. BuzzFeed? Fuck you. Because justice for fucking Johnny as Aquaman. Aquaman! <laughs> Stop saying it. Okay. So the ghoul boys traveled to Eastern State Penitentiary, so I rewatched their episode. While Shane was doing his alone time in the cell, Ryan heard footsteps coming down the hallway. So he followed them, and then he heard tapping on the cell, which you can hear. It's a little weird. And this is also the first episode where Ryan used his spirit box. What is that? So it scans through tons of radio stations. Okay. It's very complicated. He explains it in this episode. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's basically a medium for them to be able to use oh. white noise to speak to us. Oh, is it? I just punched my microphone because I'm so angry at you because, yes. It was Casper. <laughs> and his three brothers. They were in the cell where... I thought it were his uncles. Where are they his uncles? Oh, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> they were his uncles. <laughs> I was like, whose uncles for a second? <laughs> Casper's. I was like, Ryan's uncle? Is he in here? too? <laughs> In the cell where inmate Joseph Havel stabbed his roommate, George Cope, to death with scissors, the spirit box picked up, oh boy, get out. When Ryan asked, someone got stabbed in here, what is your name? It responded, George. Mm -hmm. Then it said, are we through? Yeah, we're fucking done. (laughs) We're fucking through with you. We want to see how Yes, queen. The boys also picked up a scream off in the distance and then a whimper, which Shane actually heard in real time and commented on it. And in Al's cell, the spirit box picked up, get out, shut up, no Ryan. And this one creeps me out a little bit. Ryan asked, what color is the jacket that I'm wearing? And it said brown and white, which was correct. That is what he was wearing. The boys also went into the cell where the tunnel was. And the audio recorded a short little whistle, so... I'm going to call BS because they were in Al Capone's cell and they did not hear Jimmy. They didn't hear Jimmy. They They tried. Oh, don't get me Mm. wrong. They tried. They were taunting him with Jimmy. They were trying to get Jimmy to talk, too. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. That brown and white one creeped me out because it was right on the nose. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course it was. Okay, sorry, Miss Sadie. They didn't pre-record it or anything, you know? Don't you... Dare you can accuse I... Zach Fagans, but don't you dare accuse Ryan and Shane. Anybody who works for BuzzFeed can't be trusted. They can because they don't work for them anymore. 
I don't care. Justice they for Johnny did. still. They did work for them. It wasn't their fault. They didn't know. I bet they want Johnny Depp to win. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have a bunch of stuff that goes on there. That's why I really want to go. Obviously, everybody knows about their terror behind the walls, which it's actually not that anymore. It was too scary. And now it's called Halloween Nights. You can go in there in the prison. They have different haunted houses throughout and they have different themed bars. And I just really want to go because I think that's so cool. We're planning this trip. We're going. They have a, if you get the VIP tickets, that gets you into a prohibition themed lounge called the Speakeasy in Al Capone's Cell. And the Bloodline Lounge, a vampire-themed cocktail lounge. Oh. You can also add on a tour called the After Dark CB3 Tour. And that's where you can walk through cell block three, which is the hospital wing, in complete darkness. But they only give you a flashlight. Oh, my God. Isn't that so cool? We're going. I'm going to piss my fucking pants, but I want to do this so I want to. I want to do this, and then I also just want to go in the day. They have, I didn't know this. But they do art exhibits year-round. Oh, that's cool. They allow artists to submit their ideas. Mm-hmm. And if they're chosen, they get to exhibit their art for a couple years, months. And there's two exhibits I want to talk about. Okay. They've done this since 1995, and over 100 artists have had their work on display. And they have to have a theme that relates to the prison, such as criminal justice reform, the prison's past, etc. There was one that's in there right now. And that one's called Other Absences by Cindy Stockton Moore. She has 50 portraits of murder victims that were committed by the people who were sentenced there. That is intense. Because you hear, you know, you hear about all of the inmates and the ghosts and stuff. But do you really think about the people who were killed by these people in here? No, I didn't while researching this because the things that these men went through were awful. But you're right. I mean, the worst of the worst. Were there. Sometimes we're sent here, so. Mm-hmm. And there's 50 portraits, like, you can go and see all the portraits of the victims. So this is on display now? Yes. <sighs> okay. And they have a bunch of them. I think there's, like, 10 on display at any given time, 10 or 15 or something. Oh. I mean, they have the room. Yeah. It's a big prison. So. And there's another one that I wish I could have seen. It was only from 2004 to 2011. And this one was called Ghost Cats by Linda Brenner. And this, if you look at the pictures, they're so fucking cool. She basically made these cat statues, mm-hmm. like like life-size cats, and they were all white. She made a ton of them, and they would put them in different parts of the prison. Yeah. Obviously, like, not where people could go and, like, pick them up. It was yeah. where visitors could see them but couldn't touch them, and they would move them there every couple months. Because, like I said earlier, when those that feral cat colony moved in, oh, yeah, uh-huh. and the cats lived there, and they got them all spayed and neutered, so they slowly Aww. died off over time. Yeah. And there's ghost cats. And it's so cool. Like, I love the pictures. <laughs> look so good. Just think about walking through these halls. <laughs> all of a sudden, you just see this white figure at the end of this hall. <laughs> it's a fucking cat. Yeah, that's something definitely designed for you. <laughs> I, I wish I could have. I wish I could have went. I don't know. They both sound fun, but I really like that the 50 Portraits of the Murder Victims is up now. And we can see it in the day and then go again at night. Right. After drinking a little we bit. We can also do the the tour. When you go in, they give you a little headset. And we can listen to the self-guided tour narrated by Steve Buscemi. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yes! Random thing. (laughs) 
did that come about? I don't know. That's kind of cool, though. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I wonder if they approached him. He approached them. He, like, heard it through the grapevine. I was like, I don't know. I'm the guy. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll be there. I don't know. Oh. Hanging out with the ghost cats. That's where I would be. That's what, yeah. I'd be hanging out with the ghost cats. <laughs> After a couple of dranky drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Head into the speakeasy. Yeah. Dude, I'm Magic so obsessed with like speakeasies. Like that would be so much fun. You go to the speakeasy and then you go do that after dark tour with the flashlight. <laughs> just get trashed and you're walking through a dark prison with just a f- oh, I don't know if that would end good. Dark because it Man, you can't really talk. You're, nope, you're, and we're done. <laughs> I can't. I think this is I'm where we end. Because <laughs> we are done and it is nine o'clock and it's been so many hours. It's been so many hours. We've hung out with so many ghosts and um, Al Capone <laughs> and uh, Jimmy and uh, Casper and Mario. So <laughs> we hope that we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.